you guys want to talk shit about us? Is that it? Yeah, I think that was the main goal. No, we were we already did that. We don't have to continue. Well, that's I need some drama. Okay, pile it on. Pile it on. Some social order, actually. Oh, I want it nasty. I said we're going to do a fight, a fight between the social lasts and the social first as well. That's I mean. why you guys are here. This is about yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll be like the red coats versus the uh, the Americans because the socials will have a strategy and the social blinds will just come out of the woods on their own <laughs> behind the trees like yeah. snakes. We should have come in with more of a strategy. There's just going to be anarchists about the whole thing. <laughs> the big hormone enneagram. Hi, it's John here. I'm a sexual self-prize for the five, four, five, eight, tri-tech. Hi, David here. I'm a self-prize sexual nine with one, nine, seven, four, tri-type. Hey, it's Emika. I'm an eight wing seven sexual type with the eight, five, four, tri-type. Hey, it's Nancy. I'm a self-prize social three, wing four, and three, six, nine, tri-type. Welcome to Big Hormone Enneagram. Last, they're all out of order, but last uh, published podcast uh, brought up a lot of material around sexuality and uh, especially story David had as a kid. And it got us into a discussion about um, social blind spot delivery and communication style and uh, versus some social dominance. And so we have two social dominant consultants and experts on the <laughs> pod with us today. Experts. Alexandra and Laura. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having us. You want to go through all your type and all that kind of stuff so that... Do I want to? Not really, will but you? I will because you will asked you? me to. Please. And say your um, names again. I'm Laura Schilling. I'm a social sexual two wing one two seven eight. And I am Alexandra Arroyo Acevedo. I am a social self-prez, 9-1-9-6-3. The story that we were talking about, we are talking about sexual taboos in such a flippant way, and that was an example of our social blindness. And so it brought up a really interesting discussion about um, how social types would handle a conversation like that versus the way we were handling it. One of the things that stood out to me is that there didn't seem to be any sort of social lubricant for the conversation it seemed kind of crass and like it came out of nowhere almost so you're listening along and suddenly you're into this deep story about some potential childhood drama and it catches you off guard I feel like there's a lot of social framing that at least I'm used to or that I look for so that I know how to get on someone's page as I navigate a conversation with them and it's interesting to kind of slip into a space that you didn't know you were going to suddenly be in and then listening along quiet not knowing how to respond to it I don't know if you felt the same way Alexandra um mine was more that that the reaction of that story wasn't what I expected it was going to be um (laughs) and so I was I was lined with um uh with Nancy's reaction like as she was reacting to David telling the story Mm -hmm. hers was one of like oh my gosh a little bit concerned like and that's kind of how I reacted to the story too. I was in my kitchen and I like stopped and just stared at the speaker for a little bit. Like, is he really telling the story and no yeah. one's worried about it? <laughs> Me too. No my like initial reaction was to, my initial reaction was to go in the chat and say, David, seriously? Right. And, yeah, and that's, I remember that was my that. reaction. Oh, that was my uh, reaction. My reaction today was to go into the chat and be like, hey, David, you just avoided being murdered probably. <laughs> what, uh, what is, you said social lubricant. What do you mean? Yeah, what would that look like for that story? I think it would need to, you're kind of setting the scene for how it's going to be received for other people. So you'll do a bit of an Mm. introduction. You'll prime the palate, so to speak, of how it's going to be digested by people. So you'll start to say that something happened in my youth that I think was really formative and that made me into a Mm -hmm. sexual dominant person. And then you lead into it so people know where you're gonna go they don't know the whole story yet but there's like a pathway there that you're then allowing us to see to be fair when he started the story i I thought he sort of set the stage a little bit 
at least from my point of view, by saying, hey, I'm the king of inappropriate relationships. And from the history of my childhood, <laughs> I've, I've had these, these, and he like said, you know, I, I didn't have my father around, so I doubled up on women. And so I've always kind of been conscious of trying to passively seduce older women. And so I've had these repeated things that happened so let, let me tell you this one time that i had this thing with i was like oh that's pretty good you know for a social blind that's i think that's a pretty good introduction <laughs> to what you're about to hear and for those who are listening um if you didn't catch the last episode that we're talking about david told a story about a sort of uh inappropriate i guess um maybe seduction thing that was happening between him and a sexual older sexual one and well, it, he was like he was like eight or nine, and yes. he like wanted to adopt him, and it was it was weird. And uh, what they're trying to get out there is that he potentially was abused by a teacher in the past, and that he was telling us a story all about it about how it wasn't abuse; it was actually just something that happened that was inappropriate potentially. So nothing so, actually happened. So, <laughs> so to me, I, I was thir- that was the one when I was thirteen. There was a different one when I was. Okay. <laughs> Oh right. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, yeah, me to balance. You see, I am the king. So, uh, <laughs> so to me, it was exciting. Seriously, at that time, it was exciting and titillating. And like, I was going to her house every day. I mean, like, she was picking me up, and me and my friend were. Me and my friend, who was my age, uh, he bonded with her daughter. The woman, the teacher, was about forty years old had a daughter that was 18 and my friend bonded with the daughter and eventually we started sleeping over and your parents were cool with it well my i just grew up with my mother and that was part of the story is that i my father wasn't around and and yeah my mom was pretty hands-off parent my mom was spsx herself probably went too far in uh fostering independence her mother was a two and my mom would kind of made a point of not being a two and she did that did it in a one-ish way like i'm not going to do that right i'm not going to be the smother mother that kind of thing that two style mm-hmm. and uh she kind of went too far with it so i mean like she was putting me on an airplane when i was eight nine ten years old during the summer by myself to go visit family in new york and stuff like that so she was just like get on the plane i don't care where you go just go just go, just just go. do it yeah, but one of the things uh, that y'all were saying that kind of came up in the, in the subsequent conversation, like, first of all, knowing David and the way he's speaking, I, I kind of got his vibe, like where mm-hmm. he like he didn't seem to uh, understand it or experience it in a traumatic way. Maybe mm-hmm. it was on some level, but, you know, he was like, yeah, I was like at her house, you know, and it was like <laughs> <laughs> sort of like, whoa, this is weird, you know, kind of thing. But um, y'all said something about. Um, or maybe it was Emeka actually, he said that, you know, social blinds uh, just tend to say stuff as they see it, or like there's just this sort of like, here it is. And there's there's not framing around it, or there's not lubrication around it. There's just sort of, this is the thing, like as a social blind, there's little to no anticipation of how people will receive something. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like as Laura, as you were speaking to, of like kind of prepping people. From that point of view, like, I didn't feel like David's story needed a prep. And really? Yeah, and if you prepped it, I would have been like, okay, let's get to it. You know, like, let's, all right, let's, what are you trying to tell me, you know? So I, I found this, like, question of framing or preparation or whatever versus, like, here it is. Very interesting because as a social blind throughout my life, I feel like I've just said things that I thought were just the way things were, so to speak, and that people have these huge reactions or it's like that I said something, but then they're like, but there's these other things around it that you didn't do. And I, I, it'll just completely go over my head and I'll just have Hmm. to eventually just go, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. Like, cause I, I'm not really not getting what they were needing. Well, think of it like foreplay. You're not just going to suddenly put your dick in someone. You're going to warm it up a little bit. You're going to make sure that it's inviting. You're going to set the scene a bit so that it's not shocking. And even in the instances that it is shocking, I feel like the social learning is, oh, that didn't go how I thought. I was just speaking my truth. How can I help mitigate this reaction so that I don't get an angry person in front of me or whatever well, the undesirable So I'm curious, if that was a story that of something, well, maybe not say, let's just imagine you're a guy. And something like that would have happened because we talked about some of the male-female differences and how that story might be framed. 
as a social type, how would you have framed something like that? I mean, it's hard for me to try and frame someone else's story, but what I came away from that, and Alexandra, I think you are the one who mentioned it in the chat, and it totally was I was what I thought. I came away from that being like, ooh, this is the beginning of a diagnosis. Right. I want to understand how he got to this point. What is his parental relationship? How did he end up in this scenario? What resulted from it? How, like it opened this book of, wow, that was a deep cut. I wonder what the proliferated effect of that is on his life. And it was that piece that he didn't address ahead of time that he wasn't going to get into and he didn't end up answering. And he related it just to one vein of something where I feel like if there was, if there was a social grace or social lubricant there, he would have crafted the story a little bit different to just highlight the example that related back to him being in odd situations. And he would relate just that piece back instead of opening the whole story to then try and tailor back to the example he's making because it left a lot of social curiosity in my perspective. Alexandra, I don't know if you feel similarly. I do. I do feel similarly. Mine was more my, like, I guess the impact um, that it had on me was more of, of the reaction. It was more of, yeah, I guess just the way that it was presented. Someone in the chat asked me like how I would have presented that story. And I said that I would have been careful to present it in a way that didn't make me look like a like I was a victim of something. Mm -hmm. I don't remember specifically what I said. What I took away from that, not to cut you off, is that no, it's okay. he didn't have any regard for being seen as a social figure in that sense. And so right. I would have put on it of like, oh, someone could see me as a victim. Let's avoid that because I'm crafting who I am socially almost at all times. Um, and it just doesn't make sense for me to leave that vulnerability to the open, especially to the public. Yeah, maybe that's part of it for me too. I think I would have been careful not to paint this woman in a way that, that made her look kind of predatory. And that's what I was, I think that's what I was, um, what's what, what I was surprised by. Not that there's any like, mm, like specific way it should be presented. But I think what surprised me was that David, there didn't seem to be any, any like care that you were potentially in the situation. Whereas mm -hmm. if I were experiencing that, I would have been like, this probably looks really creepy. I should probably be concerned. But of course, like I'm speaking as a sexual blind in response to the story of a social blind. So we're looking at opposite perspectives here, basically. I think if you would have said, and I know it might've been uncomfortable or she could come across as this thing, but, and continued right. with your story, you'd then be acknowledging where social starting to think into things or kind of read into your situation and really craft it the way you wanted it to be taken. So it's not left for interpretation. So or for I guess what, what comes up for me in some of what you're saying there is that some of what you guys are suggesting would be a lie, actually, you know, to me, right? It would be like, like she was predatory. I mean, it was, it was, she was not overtly, you know, grabbing me doing things like that. Right. But I was clearly, especially looking, looking back on it, I was clearly like a objectified target and, mm -hmm. and she, and keep in mind too, she was social last herself. Right. Mm -hmm. So, right. She was sexual self-present. So, you know, it's just the truth that there was predatory stuff. But, but I mean, part of sexuality is predatory. And I don't really care what that looks like socially. Or, I mean, that doesn't need to be justified or anything to me. But it would Some, be justified to your audience who's inferring that it's predatory. And then they end up getting scared for you or worried about the impact that it's had on your life. You might have been okay with it, but everyone receiving it is like, mm -hmm. oh shit, that's a big deal. Well, uh, Laura, you earlier said something about foreplay and sh versus mm -hmm. shoving your dick in, and yeah. uh, you know, from from my perspective, hearing the way that David's delivering the story, I'm 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 on board with his tone of voice and like the things he's saying. So it's like I don't feel like I like the sense of 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 it needing to be cushioned or something. You know, like you can tell when somebody's delivering a story and they're like pretending it's okay, but they're not really okay with it. But David just like telling it straight up. And so I'm like, oh, well, okay. So this is how David feels about it. And that's like, that's as far as my brain processes. Mm. 
Right. I don't think the warranted reaction is to sugarcoat it. I think it's just to put some confines as to what the story is that he's telling. I think it's that vulnerability piece of being open to interpretation that was just kind of shocking. And, and part of this is that we're, because we would be doing, I would be doing that because on, as a service, so to speak, I don't know if that's the right word, to the audience so to help them place it sort of, mm -hmm. is that what you mean kind of? Yeah, kind of. I, yeah, I think what you're getting at is it's one thing when we are having a conversation amongst ourselves and we're all social blind and we're riffing <laughs> and what, whatnot. But the point is that we have a bunch of people listening to us. Mm -hmm. And right. so there, there has to be some sort of, a, I guess, awareness of how people who probably aren't social last are reading into what we're saying. And so that I guess mm -hmm. a middle ground would be like certain disclaimers of like all mm -hmm. right like if a news story was to catch this clip they could spin with this a, a bunch of different ways so it's a difficult thing it's a difficult ask for a social blind because it's not something it's kind of something that only happens after the fact when you've run into a problem it's like well i don't want that to happen again so maybe i need to set this disclaimer but um it sort of just feels like i just want to say you know what's on my mind <laughs> instead of like and if and if you're into it you're into it and if you're not you walk away right? yeah. yeah i just worry about the person who's been obsessed with you forever and gets a piece of this information and goes aha this is why they are the way they are and they kind of take these nuggets of information that haven't <laughs> been framed or haven't been kind of consciously thought about to then dive into your life and create an intimate connection with you that you've got no knowledge of or power over yeah i just i don't perceive that as a threat so laura and alexandra do y'all do y'all feel like you spend a lot of energy uh like around framing or like what place in your awareness or in relationships is framing for you guys i wouldn't say i spend a lot of energy doing it i think it's pretty natural but I'm mm -hmm. conscious of how I'm coming across and how I want to be responded to. I know one of the intention or one of the things I really like to land is, are they getting my intention from my language or could I yeah. phrase it differently for that to be misconstrued? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And we talked a little bit about that social dominance have this sort of image type like yeah. air to them. Um, and that seems to be the case for me because while I'm not an image type, like while I'm not a heart type, I do sort of craft the way that I'm, I'm coming across. And Laura, you made a really good point because I don't want what I'm presenting to be misconstrued. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be like misunderstood in that sense. To me, so it's really I, I make sure if someone, yeah. if I'm saying something and I'm making such a concerted effort to deliver it exactly the way that is perfectly true and someone gets it wrong it's like I'm totally unseen and maybe that's me being an image right. type and having a one wing like I obviously have some control freak there but I'm making my best effort to come across transparently and if that's somehow opaque with someone it's, I like shut down and I right yeah and I and to relate it back to the story because that was my original comment that started this um whole conversation is that that last episode was was really potent and it was really it was covering some topics that are not spoken about plainly or casually or anything. Mm -hmm. so it was just like a like a forewarning that this could potentially be received badly by the public. like this mm -hmm. might not achieve what you guys are trying to you know achieve or you know. The phrase Sorry, Emika used was interesting. Like if it was picked up as a news story, that's really social right there. That is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wasn't even picturing it as that being the worst case scenario. I think if it was picked up by someone who's been obsessed with you for the past long time and there's some <laughs> creepy stalker, they'll now be able to put more pieces of your life together without your consent. Hmm. Still doesn't register. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't <laughs> I, I mean, don't care. I, I <laughs> there's there's a part of me that gets this because as a as an assertive type and as a, a type that's sort of scanning the perimeter, as you might say, for potential vulnerabilities, I do understand that that's a possibility. Um, but it's almost like I feel like I'm I'm I can 
I can creatively and chaotically find a way to counter if someone was trying to do something like that. Um, and at the same time, I guess as a social blind, I, I, I can speak for every, every one of us as a social blind. If somebody, if I say what's on my mind or I'm just expressing myself and someone has a negative reaction to me that's immediate and I can tell that it's like because of a inherent personality friction, I see that as just like an uh, incompatibility. I yeah, just, but that's if I, they're telling you what their reaction is. A lot of people, right, right. especially on a public platform, you're not going to be able to see their reaction and then they're off to their own devices reacting. Right. I mean, generally, if people um, aren't into what I'm saying, they're just going to they're just going to move on, ignore you. I think that's probably what most people how most people react to social blinds is I don't get what's going on here. So I'm just going to move on. But that's cool with you. Just getting ignored when you're speaking. Mm, yeah. Oh. I mean, for, for me, yeah. like if someone is just really turned off and I'm like, I don't like them either. You know, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that's awful. I, I yeah, wish I could I do that. To I don't relate to that at all. <laughs> yeah. Me neither. I think if I'm spending my time speaking and it, someone's blatantly ignoring me, that's super rude and probably going to piss me off. Yeah. It I, hurts me. It makes me feel like I shouldn't have said anything to begin with. Yeah. Why waste my breath? Part of the reason why we feel that way, I think the socialist perspective, it, we're coming from the assumption that everyone is a solitary, self-contained being. So the idea that we are somehow connected inherently, that doesn't even make sense. That doesn't even compute. Oh, no. So it's like, <laughs> I mean, there's a part of me that's like, oh, they didn't, I'm, I'm tracking like people's arousal patterns. I'm trying to like find chemistry. And so the idea that they don't like me as a person doesn't really matter. It's more like, I'm trying oh my to, God. So you just I, feel rejection. It's I don't either. feel like the, the concept doesn't make any sense because it's more yeah, like, like it doesn't register at all. No, I don't. I don't understand what that means because it, it's like, do we do we vibe? Like I'm trying to find someone who's on the same wavelength as I am, which is not doesn't happen very often. But most people don't give a fuck about anybody. <laughs> So why do I care what you think about me or anything yeah. I've said? I, I've upset people my whole life just with just saying stuff. And so like, I'm. <laughs> I, Sounds I'm, so dramatic. No, but really like, like, uh, it's just, it's just a pattern throughout my life of people, like either people really like me or they really hate me. And so when somebody hates me, I just, I, I usually don't care too much. Like I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, which is different. Like I really, like no matter who they are, Generally speaking, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Oh, uh, but I really, if they like me or not, I, I generally don't give a fuck. And I've had a lot of experiences where people, you know, they, they like me, then they hate me, then they like me, then they hate me. Or like they're just immediately off, off put by me. And I think it's either like not a thing. Maybe it bothered me sometimes a little bit, but and sometimes it's just funny to me. Well, but, to me, I feel like social is keeping yourself in a neutral space of, not liking or hating, but they're fine. Yeah, like getting along anyway. Complacency so that there's nothing offensive right off the bat and that you've got to dig a little bit deeper to actually know if you like me. or Right. So to go back to um, just the conversation that started it all. So we know that the general population is largely sexual blind, right? Mm -hmm. Which means that they're either social first or they're social what did I say? Social first or social second? Yes. Um, so that being said, that is important to most people, which is why, um, so I mentioned earlier today of that podcast by the liturgist, that podcast episode by the liturgist um, on porn and how everything that was discussed in that podcast was treated uh, very delicately and kind of cautiously. And I think that's an example of the social like the social grace that they're putting on a on a topic that they know makes people uncomfortable. Like, let's talk about it. It's important to talk about, but let's like prep people for it. I'm not sure if that's. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that makes a lot of sense. It's, I guess, um, part of um, an issue that I have with the public at large is that. Um, <laughs> oh my the, God, the, it's such a grandiose statement. <laughs> <laughs> Eightness. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that Fuck the, the, the public at large? <laughs> is the, the way that, that the topic of sexuality is, is uh, approached and how 
people treat it like it's this um, either super sacred thing or um, like a danger zone. And I really have, I feel like that's a very conservative viewpoint. And I understand where it's coming from. You know, it's a sexual blind kind of a thing. And I've always wished that I could um, be around people or consume media or create things that weren't approaching things with that perspective that mm-hmm. that was delicacy well just like they'd approach sexuality as a natural part of being a human being that mm-hmm. could talk about sexuality um in not a way because I mean you just I'm, I'm surrounded by this I'm surrounded yeah. by this perspective mm-hmm. and I, I don't feel that way and I would like to be able to create something for someone like myself who doesn't feel that way and feels like sexuality shouldn't be stifled and shouldn't be ha- handled with kitty gloves and and yeah. could we could just have a normal conversation about something like this without okay, framing exactly. it and, and all those you know kind of things but I, I do understand your point of view because our listeners aren't like me and we are creating something that lots of people will listen to and we do need to so it would be helpful for them to have these sort of disclaimers and this sort of framing but what so, you just gave was oh, a perfect disclaimer, just FYI. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, perfect disclaimer for it. Hey, we're about to talk about some raw shit. So this is my yeah, truth and, we, and this is how I like to speak and hope you're ready for it. Let's right, go. yeah, exactly. Oh my God, I was thinking that same thing. I was thinking that maybe at the t- <laughs> at, if at the top of the episode, I mean, by this point, listeners should know that already, that mm-hmm. this is how you guys talk. But I was thinking that at the top of the episode, if you guys were to say, like, we're pretty fucking direct and we don't really care about the social niceties or whatever else, then that already is preparation for the style in which you guys are communicating. And people know that that's what they're going to be expecting out of the language. They're not going to fuss too much about how crass it might sound. I feel like it's right because they're prepped. Yeah. Right. And if they're, and if they're prepped, then honestly, it's on them and and they know that, like, like yeah so i'm i yeah this is useful and interesting but so what are you guys like i'm still feeling unclear about what you all feel like like how somebody might react they would need prepping i feel like it's just to keep that neutral i feel like it's if you're coming at it from a place that someone's not going to come at you and say wow that was bitchy or that was ignorant. Like you don't want to be putting things in a way that's going to create people to be instantly divisive so that you can get to the end of what you're saying and let that sit how you intended. It's kind of like a social pathway. That's how I can view it. Yeah, the water, I see it. it looks inviting. You don't know if it's warm yet. You don't know if there's an undercurrent, but like, okay, let's get into it. I see it as just communicating clearly so that you're not going to be misconstrued. Because I think that last, like, for example, that last episode, I can imagine a lot of people are going to draw their own conclusions of maybe how you guys think or behave or, Mm -hmm. you know, treat people or whatever like that. So at the top, if there was that, that disclaimer of this is how we talk and people can't, they would be much less likely, I think, to come to those conclusions because you guys are just direct. You're not intentionally being like disrespectful or cavalier or like anything like that. So I think what you're getting at is that, um, with social last there is no framing and we're not saying this is what this thing means so you can run in all these different directions Mm -hmm. so that feels dangerous and that feels chaotic because yeah it's it's so open to interpretation and you're not getting to control that interpretation yeah i will say this too that like i do think societally societally we are moving towards a place that we can talk about sex and taboo stuff more openly but I think that's going to take like, I think it's going to take that social lubricant to keep that direction moving forward. I want to mention that uh, Nancy couldn't be here today because uh, she passed away. So rest in peace, Nancy. <laughs> oh my God. Don't, this is exactly what Lack we're of social you framing. <laughs> but, okay, you know, I should mention that. <clears throat> John, this, you didn't frame that correctly. Yeah. <laughs> that, that we love this sort of, subversive kind of thing (laughs) this is really what it's about it is so subversive to sort of just throw some like shit like that into the air um now i have to correct it i wasn't joking not dead (laughs) nancy's alive she just was unavailable for today i apologize on their behalf (laughs) and 
another thing that's worth mentioning is that um, there's social lastness and then there is the difference between the attachment types or, you know, even the super ego types and the types that are a lot more antisocial. And David in the chat was talking about the difference between him and his uh, girlfriend who are both so suppressed sexual nines. And David is uh, 974 and she's 936. And so even within uh, the differences between the way that they approach social lastness, there's a big difference there. Uh, and so within our group, we are social last, but we also have a lot of types that don't really care about what. Um, yeah, that's true. Think. Stuff. So um, that's even doubling kind of that sort of anti-socialness. And so there's a lot of subversive energy in, in, in the way we're kind of throwing shit in the air, I would say. But that's the importance of Nancy all over again. And why yes. it's so nice to help steer the conversation. And why we should resurrect her from the dead. Uh, <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in Okay. <laughs> Nancy's alive, just a reminder. One more time. <clears throat> Nancy is alive and well. Nancy, have a great evening. It's one of my favorite things about social types is that I, I do get the sense that they are framing how things come across. There's a lot of sensitivity around how this might seem. And as a social ass, it's just like, man, I really enjoy fucking with that. I really, <laughs> oh yeah. I just really well, enjoy fucking with that. Well, they're, they're, the whole other element of um, social, it's not just necessarily presentation and framing, but it is, it's bonding. Mm. So yeah. that's, that's a whole nother element of like why we want to make it comfortable and why we want, cause in, in a weird, we're attracting that, that bond and that's very Connection, difficult to do. But it's not even sexual. Yeah. Look at that. What is but, that, but, guys? But do y'all do y'all feel like do y'all feel like you're able to forge some kind of bond with us? Totally. Yeah, definitely. Totally. To be able to see your individual personalities in the chat, like I'm a social dominant, but I'm not the most active chat person. Sometimes I get enticed by something and then I chat frequently, but I pop on and off, but I still am able to see the general tones. I feel like like we've never met in person, any of us. And I feel like I have a general sense of how you would be, which mm -hmm. feels like a connection. It feels like an actual friendship instead of look at these strangers online in a group chat that I'm in. And I think it's a good example of how you guys do social without actually caring about mm -hmm. what social is. So mm -hmm. like, I, I do yep. think that I'm socially connected to you guys. Please don't correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're but not I do. wrong. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Strangers. I do. We've Shut never up. liked you. <laughs> like you the mean. entire time, Alex. So don't worry. No, I asked for this. But even this right now, like I think the laughter and the joking, that still falls uh. in the social realm. So haha. -ha. Backfired on you guys Bad. again. We're connected. Yeah. We just Too got clapped by the nine. <laughs> We're bonding <laughs> again. <laughs> okay. Okay. We are corrected. <laughs> we should talk about like how uh, it's interesting when you guys talk about connecting, and I guess we could the social ask could talk about how do we view connection what does how <laughs> i'm just laughing thinking about that because it's yeah just this is gonna to well, this is gonna upset me <laughs> here's the warning everyone in the social realm we're about to get into some meaty shit continue what is connection yeah, to laura, us laura you have a very good uh you have a good uh framer voice yeah she does <laughs> i've been she working does. on it my whole life that's Thanks really good thing um <laughs> it's more social right there no but i, I like so uh i totally agree with you alexandra that social connecting is is a social thing and for anybody that here's here's me framing so for anybody uh that comes from you know coming to this without hearing some of the previous episodes or whatever uh in terms of the instinctual drives um in the enneagram field there's been a lot of conflation and misinterpretation of what the instinctual drives are and how they're defined and so in terms of uh social social is often been framed as Groups. I like groups if I'm a social type or being involved with groups or way of groups. And any kind of human connection is social, any kind. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. maybe you can like groups, maybe you like just one on one. All kinds of bonding and connection is social. Mm -hmm. Sexual is often er 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 erroneously described as intimacy or one on one. 
and it's got nothing to do with intimacy. It's not one-on-one. It has a one-on-one energy in terms of attraction, but uh, it's not about one-on-one connection. And so the sexual drive is the drive to attract and be attractive and to pursue those people that you're attracted to. And it also involves um, trying to enhance your desirability in various ways. So just to clarify that. Um, and, but as a social blind person, um, I, I feel like I'm, I like people very easily. And not a lot of people, but like the people I like, there's like a, a fair number that I like. And I have, I have like a social type friend. And so it's like, why do you like that person? And I'm like, I don't know. I just like them. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's very like straight up. And, and, mm-hmm. and then, and it's, it's, yeah, it's very straight up, but it's like, uh, I, and I easily make friends, but it's like, I don't, I don't do very well with keeping a lot of balls in the air at the same time. Um, and so like every couple of months, maybe like, I'll switch to hanging out with somebody different. Like I have a couple consistent people in my life that I hang out with like really frequently, but, um, but yeah, I always feel like kind of like very, very simple about connection. But right. I feel like it, just a curious question on that. If you were to go to one of your older connections that say they're not the flavor of the month this month, if you were to pick them back up, would it have picked up where you left off or is it, okay, this one expired moving to the next person? No, it's usually like I pick it up where I left off like I have a friend that I hadn't seen since for about a year and she just like invited me to uh hang out and we just hung out and it was like hey what's up you know and just picking it up and it, it feels nice to have like uh I have a lot of people that I have that with and so it's like just picking stuff up and there's like no pressure and then there, it just like feels like an old friend you know yeah yeah that's nice that shows me that there's social yeah, I, yeah, that shows me that there's a there's just a lack of insecurity in the social realm for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. You know, yep. which is nice, which is nice. And like, like you guys have talked, there was like a a past episode where you talked about um, where Nancy talked about being a sexual blind and how she can be a bit flippant about like the sexual instinct. I feel like it's the equivalent for you guys with the social instinct, which I that's where I react strongly because I'm like how how (laughs) do you guys just do that so casually like Mm -hmm. social bonds are they're very important to me but I put a lot of I do have a lot of insecurity around um, my friendships and my relationships because I want to make sure that they're where they need to be and Mm -hmm. if it veers a little to the left or a little to the right I know about it and, you know, sometimes I'll do something about it. Sometimes I don't, but that's just me not being a proactive type. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm aware, like my gauge is always, it's like attuned to where my relationships and my connections are. I, I'm always baffled whenever I hear people, uh, the depth of the concern that you have about um, <laughs> the different yeah. degrees of like what, how your relationships are doing. And I, it never ceases to amaze me. It fucking sounds insane. Well, like, I, I, I will what never. Part sounds insane. When when uh, when Emika and I became friends, like I don't remember. We we talked online for a while, and then like uh, we like we met up in a Harlem coffee shop or something, and we just like talked, and we we're just like, all right, we're friends now. That's, that's <laughs> insane to me. And, that's crazy to me. And yeah, and that was like it. Like I don't really remember even interacting what we interacted about before that or anything. It was just like, yeah, we're friends now. That's that was it. That's so sweet, though. I feel like yeah, when you know, is. you know. Yeah, when I guess know, that's part. Of, that, that's part of it for me. It feels like, oh, this is just something that happens. Like you meet someone, you both like each other, and you start hanging out with each other, and it's just assumed that now you guys have a thing and. Um, it sounds really dumb now that I'm saying it. <laughs> Great self-awareness. Well, <laughs> it is kind of dumb. Kind of dumb. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's socially, it's socially dumb. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, like, and with me, with David, I was like, uh, like we were on a forum a long time ago and like I was 18 and David would talk in his metaphoric blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, <laughs> I've never, I've See, never that's seen. that's rude, John. I've never <laughs> see. I didn't. I did, that didn't. I didn't receive that as rude at all. Yeah. See, so well, I yeah. did on your behalf. His, his yeah, metaphoric blah blah blah, and I'm like, nobody <laughs> has ever communicated in this way that I can understand. Like, mm. like it it made perfect sense to me. I could see people reacting to it, and I was like, this is like, I said, like this is how I talk in some ways, David. Like, mm-hmm. 
how, and like nobody, I've never seen anybody talk like this since then. Dave was like, what's your address? And, <laughs> oh my God. and then he sent me like tons and tons of books that I still have. And like, you know, in the room with me right now, like he sent me like, Aww. like 10 books or something, uh, like spontaneously. And, it, and then it was like, all right, Dave and I are friends. We'll talk in a year from now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I received this gift, therefore friendship. <laughs> right. I think it's almost like I'm viewing friendship from the, the lens of chemistry. That, that really, I guess, mm. what's going yeah. on. I, yeah, picking up I from where you were. I agree with that. Amica, what you said earlier, it's like we're separate units. I mean, when you're socialized, it's like we're, the sense is you're, we're separate units. Uh, this is the stuff I'm into. If you're into this stuff, that's fine. If you're not, then we're just going to go separately and we're not going to see each other again, right? It's just, it's either there or it's not. And we happen to be into the same things. So I feel like this is a really all or nothing approach though. Like, have you ever been in a relationship or a friendship where you end up pissing someone off because you didn't reply to their text or oh, yeah. you forgot oh, yeah. about their birthday <laughs> or mm-hmm. whatever social nuance? It's, I feel like the missing element is some people just need that hand to be held and people aren't always that upfront about it. And given most people have social not as a blind spot, mm-hmm. um, it's the kind of default practice of most people to say hey how was your weekend oh how's your dog i heard you was sick last week like it's that baseline of like hey i remembered this thing and i'm looking to engage with you socially right it feels to me it feels like an acknowledgement of the person too Mm -hmm. Mm. (laughs) i made a joke um i don't remember where i made a joke but i made a joke about the last time that i was on this podcast my reaction of like how how it worked because I was the only social dominant on the call and I was very surprised I was very surprised because it was just like all right everyone here all right cool let's start and then okay we're done bye what (laughs) happened how did we do that how did you guys do that that's what we no do all foreplay, time. No foreplay, no cuddle. No foreplay. There's no foreplay. So I was like, okay, this is going to hurt a little bit, but okay, let's yeah. do it. I, I've, uh, like, speaking to your point about, like, or I think Laura's point about, uh, like, touch base, touching base or something of, like, how's mm. your dog or whatever, like, uh, Mm. I have had to. I've had to. <laughs> the blatant <laughs> "don't give a fuck" is so clear. No, I, I know the no, disdain. I, no, it's not disdain at all. I'm just like just. Trying I love to, dogs. I'm just trying to touch into what you're speaking to, but like, uh, <laughs> how's your plants or whatever? I yeah. had to. Yeah, that's a. I should. Yeah, how's your plant? I should ask somebody who has no plant every time. Uh, no, I've had to train people like around me to kind of know that I'm not going to remember stuff because I just won't. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's like the, the storage space in my brain doesn't work, and I have but to like social to at I, least you know. tell people that you're not going to remember it. No, that's that's, but that, that's what I'm saying. It's like it is my social, but it's like I have to like because I have a lot of students, you know, like mm. uh, like a lot of students, and some of them will have really strong positive reactions to me. And I have to just, oh, oh. and it, and it'll Sorry. be, it'll be like, uh, I don't know. It'll be really hard to like remember stuff about them. And so like, even people I really care about, really like, like I'll have a really hard time remembering just basic shit about them. And it, I, I, the feeling will be like, oh, this is that person. But so I have to kind of train people to be like, I'm going to forget your name. I'm going to forget everything about you. I might even forget what you look like in a different outfit. <laughs> you know, like I have, oh I have God. terrible, I have what terrible. What will you remember? I remember the feeling. Yep. Oh, I have terrible facial recognition, uh, generally, <laughs> like, uh, you know, with, within some people, are, you know, it's different, but, uh, it's really, it's been a real struggle because, uh, I, I feel like I'm constantly, you know, just really like, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt people's feelings all the time, or they're mm-hmm. going to take it personally. And I really don't mean it. It's just like the storage space in my brain is really low. Mm-hmm. I think that's a social last feeling in general. Because that's that the that whole social thing is going to take up too much space, so I'm not even going to try to do that or something. But if you think about how much space that takes up, when someone remembers something about me or follows up, I'm like, oh wow, they used some of their mental faculties mm-hmm. on me. How <laughs> special is that? And I know that sounds kind of pathetic when I say it out uh, loud, but it's it's sense. a nice yeah. thing of like, hey, they really give a shit. No, I'll, I'll try. I'll definitely remember like weird stuff, like weird details, like, 
Like yeah. maybe it'll be like, oh yeah, I'm from here and this this happened to me and this is where I work and stuff like this. And I won't remember that, but I'll remember like you were in a cult. That's right. You know, like whatever weird <laughs> something yeah, that I sticks mean, out. Pretty I big that info, too. John. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I'm pretty good at tracking details about certain people. Like, it's always going to be some kind of odd fucking thing about somebody. Just because I, I like bringing those things up when people least expect it. Mm -hmm. Sort of fuck with someone and be like, so, yeah, just like, so when you were, when you uh, did this thing on Facebook on March 2nd at 8 p.m., <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Those are sort of the things I keep in my back pocket. Um, but sort of like the general checking in, my mom calls me from time to time and she's oh. always like, Why haven't you why haven't you called me? And I'm like There was nothing to talk about, Mom. I mean, yeah, like I I you know, it's sort of a running joke that we have because she calls me and and I don't call her unless of course I you know, something's going on. I've always interpreted when people cared about me as what does this person want from me? You know, like what hmm. What's your angle? What are you trying to get to? It's really hard for me to register that someone actually just cares about me on a very basic level. They want that connection. Like just to connect because I'm like, what do you actually want from me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing with social. It feels like it something's being given that it, and something's being expected back. And it's and and I don't know how to read what the thing back is. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Even if it, but I'd be like, I love you. And then, you know, like, and I think you're great, you know, and, but even still, I'm like, is that, is that what they wanted? You know, mm -hmm. like, is that for the me, thing? Yeah. Alexander, I don't know if it's the same for you, but I just want to be on someone else's page. I want to yeah. have a conversation, know where they're at. It's kind of like a pulse check that I look for to say, Hey, like I spent some time with you. I'm feeling like, you know, exactly where I'm at in life and I know where you're at. And I'm looking forward to seeing what that next pulse check will be the next time we touch base. It's not an ongoing, like, how was your day today? Well, Tuesday was great. Like, it's not that level, but it's you've taken the time and space and energy to be on the same page with me, and it's mm -hmm. our space, and it's our connection. And then yeah. um, it kind of gives more life to it. Yeah, totally. I'm with you there. So to go into, um, we brought up parents very briefly. Um, okay, so my dad is a self-pres, and when he calls, I know that it's going to be a swift conversation. He just wants to call and be like, hey, are you healthy? Are you good? Are you this, this? Cool, bye. It's very just sweet and to the point, and it's fine. My mom is a social dominant, and me being a social dominant, we're both social self-pres 9 so there's some context there. Mm -hmm. There's some framing, guys. <laughs> um, when my mom calls, I know that it's going to be a very long conversation because a short conversation is almost going to hurt her feelings. I can't wrap it up. We need to like sort of like gel in each other and be at the same like spot in space and time or something like that. And so, Aww. and so sometimes when I, when I'm like energetically ready for that call, it is, it's a, it's a, always a great conversation. It's really nice. And they're, they're usually not being dramatic. They're usually about two hours long. Holy. Whoa. <laughs> they're very long. But other times in that same respect, there are other times where I don't have like the energetic, I don't have the energy for that conversation. And that's the case with um, a lot of my friends sometimes, not mm -hmm. people specifically, but just me in general with in-person interactions. Like I just will not have the energy to be socially pleasing mm -hmm. or to like give the social atmosphere what I need to give it. And so I totally I'll, feel you. I'll have to just pass yeah. because if I'm going to be in person with someone, I want to be completely present and I want to be mm -hmm. completely there in order to, to, yeah, to have that emotional connection, that social like bonding or whatever. If I'm mm -hmm. not there, I'm going to feel bad about it. So I'd rather just not be there. I totally agree. And I feel like some people too, like just delving into that a little bit, they command different energy from you. I know I've got some friends that I know if I engage in the messaging, it's going to get into stuff I don't care about. It's going to have small talk for X amount of time. And then she inevitably is going to ask me about how my job's going and how much money do I make? I mean, right. she's a three and she's really intense in Italian. 
but she's like, I know that that's what I'm signing up for. And I know what requirements it takes to be on her page with her and satiate that relationship. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or like, or like getting text messages sometimes, like I know the conversation is going to go into a place that requires more attention than I'm willing to give it. Yeah. It feels like social is a certain kind of, as you guys are talking, a certain kind of presence. It's a totally different kind of presence. It's like, it's like, uh, I'm, this is abstract, but it's like, you know, the sun, right? It's like the, uh, here's the sun with a big smile and I'm present and I'm bright and I'm here and I'm seeing you and you're seeing me clearly. Right. And there's this, and that, that's a, that's a sort of amplification, right. That I've got to kind of be bright and on with you. Right. I mean, or you don't like, I think it's about figuring out what space someone else is in so that you can share the space with them to connect. Because mm, some people don't require point. an in-depth, like, touch point. Like, I have a friend who I can say, like, hey, how's it going? Life is good. Cool. How's cool? Great. And that's it. And I know that if that, like, that person's in Korea right now, but when they come back here, we can talk for hours on end about philosophy and dig into things. And I feel really nourished socially. But the standard touch base with them in the relationship as it stands now is quick text, like, once every six months. But I know there's some people, you just got to kind of know their space and then you can mm-hmm. figure out if you want to socially entertain it, if you've got the energy for it. I know my, my best friend is a social type. And um, I think what I understand, at least the way we, we relate to each other is he just has a, a frame of reference for me. Like he knows what to expect. He calls me like, he says, I'm a wild, wild card. Someone he, someone who's going to do some crazy shit and introduce him to something that he didn't expect um and i think so i've asked i've asked him at times because he's told me what his experience of being of being a, a social six is like and it feels insane because he's constantly tracking how much people are accepting or rejecting him like if he makes this joke and you know how it's going to be received and and i asked him you know what what is your impression of me and the way i interact with people he's like you're just you're just you like it doesn't seem like you have any sort of uh, you're affected by, you know, what people might think of you. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's the way he feels. And so he doesn't expect the same things from me that he mm-hmm. expects from some other friends that Emika does this, this, and this um, don't expect him to call you. But if you do call him for any reason, he'll be there for you. You know, that kind of a thing. Like it's not that he doesn't care about you, but he's just not going to do this sort of thing that other people do. And that's what I mean. That's what I mean when I talk about um, it's very abstract what I'm talking about with this kind of sunshine face thing, right? It's just, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, like, Emika's just there, right? Just eh, take it or leave it, whatever, (laughs) right? But social is like, da da, I am here, (laughs) right? There's this thing. Here's my face. I'm looking at you right now. The sun is shining, and, you know, we're, you know, we're seeing each other and even even the act of kind of seeing what page somebody's on right um i mean whereas when your social lasts it's kind of like and even two social lasts together it's you kind of know you're going to be sort of swirling in your own separate worlds and they might overlap a little bit over here in this part or something that makes sense and is that when you guys interact i'm just curious about it when you guys interact both being social lasts does the conversation kind of popcorn around or how do you swirl in your own worlds together? We, we did a podcast. It was just us three, but I don't know. I it, It's hard to answer that question because these guys feel 100% normal to me. Like we have a conversation mm-hmm. and just, we talk about whatever. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where it all comes back to like not having the insecurity around. Right. Yeah. around social because that we, seems to be the main difference like i think you guys are normal <laughs> for the most part for the I most mean, part we did start the I conversation we did start the conversation with what's your deepest sexual trauma so <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right right <laughs> I, I, for the for the socials in the house uh i'm curious about loneliness and like do you all feel lonely socially or uh is that thing you struggle with or not i experience loneliness socially for sure for sure um 
And I know that there has been those those conversations about social self-pres having this wall, having this like warmth and openness uh, like in front. And then suddenly it, it, it meets a wall and you can't go any farther than that unless like a certain, I don't know, say the password or something. Um, yes, I definitely do experience loneliness as a social mm-hmm. type. Just, just like I have, I have a hard time diving right in. I need a lot of social mm-hmm. lubricant and a lot of like grooming. Whereas at least my experience, social sexual seems to be totally fine jumping right in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get burned. Sometimes <laughs> you dive right in and they go, whoa, whoa, I didn't give you permission to come here. Fuck off. Right. Right. My, one of my best friends is a one social sexual friend. seven. And she, I, I see that with her all the time. She's getting her feelings hurt the left and right. And I'm like, well, you should probably slow down a little bit. <laughs> but that's not how she experiences. But she has a much wider range than I do. I don't often feel socially lonely. I've, and again, maybe this has other things to do with the rest of my type. But I'm constantly seeking connection predominantly from my relationship. But when I do feel that kind of antsy, like, oh, Cameron's busy, what's in the group chat? Or how is this person doing? I've got 5,000 friends that are pregnant. Like, how's, how are things going here? Like, there's no need for me to feel lonely. Although mm-hmm. what kind of triggers me as a warning socially for everyone listening <laughs> um, <laughs> is if I mention something to someone that's pertinent or that really important or something that I'm struggling through or just something that's a vulnerable piece of information and they do nothing with it, then I feel really cold. I think a lot of social types don't necessarily communicate how to get to that space or like, here's what I'm expecting out of our connection. Like there's not a guidebook for it. It's a lot of nuance and picking up signals and repeat exposure to figure out how they are in different situations. And I feel like advice to the social blinds of the world would be just ask them how they want to be communicated to if you give a shit. I, <laughs> if you're struggling or it's something that right, really if matters to you. You don't become good friends with someone unless you're able to sort of be on their wavelength to some degree. And it just happens to just exposure and just knowing, knowing them. I just figure in my mind that this sort of thing just happens naturally. It just happens. Like, yeah. you, get, you know, and yeah. so the idea of like checking in with someone and asking them that I, I, don't, I don't, it's hard for me to, to imagine ever doing something like that because it's like, if we are on a certain wavelength, then I'm going to learn about you and you're going to learn about me. And we are going to get closer over time. Yeah. I relate a bit to what you're saying. I think just mm-hmm. also being a body type, there's, there's a sense of like an organicness that has to happen. Sometimes what is happening isn't necessarily important to me. It's that I just want to communicate that, like, I do care and, like, I want to know. I don't know if I'm communicating even so well right now. That's a good friend. You want to touch base with someone. You want to see how they're tracking. It's, like, just showing, like, hey, still care about you. Yeah, it's just showing, like, like someone wants you to be okay. So I have a question for you guys. How have you guys experienced, like, have you guys dated someone with social first or second? I and have. So, like, okay, can you, how do you experience those insecurities? Or, like, how did you guys, oh, my God, I almost don't even want to ask this. How did you guys, like, <laughs> navigate that together? <laughs> oh, God. Um, I, I dated a social self-press three. Um, she was a performer. And so I was very aware that she was she cared a lot about how people received her she was a storyteller and um that sort of carried over into our relationship because a lot of what she was thinking about what other people were thinking of her that's all she talked about she was talking about drama within the performer scene this person said this and and i just sort of played the role of a supportive you know partner who would just you know hey i think you're doing great and just sort of reassuring her that her insecurities were valid but it did feel like we were on very separate planets and that um my focus was on her and her focus was like more so uh, out there in the world and yeah. it became this sort of dynamic where she was pulling me into her world out there like I, I do appreciate that aspect of social types that I can be very insular 
in a relationship because it's kind of like me and her and I don't really see a need for anything else but she really uh, wanted to introduce me to so many activities and so many people. And so for her, it was sort of this really prideful and thing that she wanted to be seen with me in all these public places. But in terms of the relationship dynamic, um, without sexual, it, it felt like there was like an impossible gap between us. So it sounds like she was almost like out, not outsourcing, real, very external about her social instinct then. Which is interesting because I don't, ex I experience mine as very, well, maybe I'll, I'll say it as like within the relationship. Like tell, my, tell I, I get my social needs from a lot of it from my partner. And like when he's unavailable, like Laura mentioned before, that's when I do like branch out and go out and find, <laughs> get it elsewhere. Alexandra, you're making a distinction between externalizing and internalizing or something, keeping it in with social. What do you mean? Well, because I, I, also being a social type I'm not a real I'm not really a big groups type of person like I've never been the one in the relationship to have like bring Sebastian into groups of people or or like I don't know sort of sort of that my social instinct is very it's I I think it's a lot more intimate than that I think it's more just one-on-one -on -one. it could be that could just be being a withdrawn type and just not having the energy to send it out that widely when you guys are hanging out, like, what is, how does your social need get fulfilled? Um, talk it's just a talking. lot? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just talking. Like, it's, it's kind of like what I mentioned with, um, with my mom and I, when we talk, we're just talking about everything that's happened, or we'll go into talking about like different ideas. Um, that social sexual seven friend, um, that I have are, we, we don't hang out very often. It's usually like, once every few months, but when we do, it's for hours and hours and hours on end, just covering everything. Like our joke is that we've like solved the world's problems. <laughs> I, especially when I first met Cameron and we had that connection, our connection started off through totally talking and like diving into the core fibers that he's made of. That mm -hmm. was like amazing. It was equivalent to fact how much we connected and taking right. that into my social realm was look at this man, like you should see him. Aren't we great? He, like I wanted to show him to my friends. I introduced him to my whole family. He's a self-pres social. So he was, but he's also a nine wing one as well. And quite withdrawn himself. So it was a lot for him and I needed to get him ready for it. And in hindsight, now that we've, we're a couple of years into our relationship, he's like, that was really fucking intense. <laughs> but he didn't tell me he was along for a little ride at the beginning, but it was important sure. to me to kind of set the social scene of you got to meet this guy. He's now part of my identity. Yeah, I understand that. Maybe, maybe it is just a withdrawn thing. I'm also just braggy in general when I'm really excited about something. So it could just be a me <laughs> thing. Yeah. See, and I'm, I'm, I stay pretty private about things. <clears throat> David or John, do you guys have any experience with social uh, relationships? I dated a social sexual nine with an eight. It's, um, that's my main story would be around her um, dated about six months and, you know, pretty similar to what's been said. There was a lot of uh, inviting me to things, wanting to do things with family, friends, and, and it sort of has this, I don't know, presentational invitation kind of feeling about it right that um mm. I, here i am handing you this this like wedding invitation mm -hmm. you know right but social and, status yeah <laughs> and <laughs> and and also just it you know it's it's um i'm doing this gesture uh, by inviting you right rather than mm -hmm. you want to go come on it might be nice i don't know you know, go if you want, right? You know what I mean? It would just be, you know, to me. Could you that's feel a, the significance of that, though? Or well, was that's totally what. It, lost yeah. On you? No. So it it was totally lost, <laughs> and then and then, uh, but then I started to realize that I was totally losing it, right? And that was a and it was a point of friction because because mm. like she would have invited me to something with family or friends or something like that. And I would treat it just like, uh, just, 
just another option, right? Or something oh. that I might do that day, right? Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and so it, I wasn't <laughs> treating it as this gold-framed invitation that she's just bestowed upon me. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Do you have any learning from that? Or were you just like, yeah, nah, can't do that again? First of all, this is probably just about, well, when was it? This was about four years ago, maybe. And so, you know, I kind of, I knew the instincts and so forth. And, and I was always talking with her about the instincts and the Enneagram and our differences. And, and I just said, you know, I basically was saying, you know, I'm going to be this way. So, you know, you can deal with it or not. <laughs> so no, you decided to quit. <laughs> that was my learning experience. Okay. <laughs> gives our give ourselves the excuse to be ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I will say this on the topic of invitations. Well, I'm an assertive type, but I'm also like a rejection type. So I, I do have the assumption that people don't give a fuck about other people. So if anyone like reaches out to me and makes a personal invitation to something, that always feels significant to me. And um, if I make the commitment to, to say that I'm going to go, I do everything to show up. Mm -hmm. So I, on the topic of invitations, I do, even though as a social blind, I do take those pretty seriously. Yeah, I took these, take those pretty seriously. Yeah, it depends on the thing. Um, there are certain things that I know that, somebody's inviting me to something that's um special that's out of the norm for them is for one thing then yeah. that that's telling me something and it's like mm. oh okay i need to have i just feel naturally i guess some some reverence for what they're doing and and what they're that gesture so mm. i'm not totally an idiot i guess <laughs> Nancy was my last friend who invited me to stuff, but rest in peace. She's not with us anymore. Rest her yep. soul. I will you miss are, her. You guys are the worst. Yeah. I may or may not miss her. <laughs> Jury's out. So do we wrap this up with a thank you and be all social and nice? Because I know you guys are on a timeline. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I've appreciated you having us on the show and being yeah, receptive this is cool. to just so you know, for being here and your Aww. contributions were deeply valued. And I, I think that our That's audience bullshit, will have learned it. a lot. I know, and me too. I learned a lot. And <laughs> I know that Emika and David learned a lot too. And I learned Aww. nothing. Nothing. Just, oh. and, uh, yeah, thanks. You know, I know I that Nancy so is looking down on us. Me too. From up above. <laughs> or down below. Down below. Down below. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure that she would have learned a lot too. God rest her soul. <laughs> thanks, guys. And we love you, Nancy. Yeah. Much love, Nancy. <laughs>